Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. It is September. We are talking about Braves baseball, and joining me as often, Scott Coleman is here. What's up, man? How's it going, Brad? It's been a couple weeks since I've been on, just traveling and life and all that good stuff, so good to be back, and, and obviously the Braves have been playing really well. Uh, Sunday notwithstanding, they've been doing uh, pretty fantastic over the last few weeks, so lots of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, while today's game did not go particularly well, I sort of uh, made a, a funny passing mention of how we have to talk about today's game. We don't really have to talk about today's game much, but we'll, we'll come back to some, we'll do more results a little bit later on the podcast. Um, we, we're going to handle a little bit of roster stuff early just to, just to kind of get it out of the way and we'll uh, we'll push the game stuff because it, it was very, very good as everybody I think knows if you're listening to this podcast, we'll save that for the end. And uh, quickly, let's, I, want, I want to thank I want to thank Eric for pulling double duty in the last couple of weeks and also Zach Dillard for pinch hitting for Scott because uh, Scott just is too big for us. That's all. <laughs> I'm kidding. Traveling across the country, brother. Weddings nonstop, it seems like. I understand. Um, all right, let's, let's dive in a little bit here. Uh, you know, in addition to the big topics, which is what's going on on the field, there was roster expansion, um, kind of a slow trickle this week. First, it was AJ Minter and Bryce Wilson coming up. Then it was Adam Duvall and the great Darren O'Day making his uh, long-awaited appearance on the roster. Um, and then Austin Riley came back on Friday, lined up with uh, facing a lefty, which made a lot of sense, and Patrick Corbin. Um and, you know, a lot of people were asking for our thoughts on the roster and looking ahead to the playoffs. I've talked about the playoff roster a couple day, a couple of podcasts in a row now, so I don't want to do too, too much on that. But it's interesting because, you know, they've now loaded the roster up to, like, you know, more than 30 players for the stretch run. And uh, Mark Bowman, front of the program, released a projected playoff roster that we can talk about if you'd like to a little bit. But what, what are your thoughts on the expanded roster, you know? Obviously, AJ Minter being uh, not very good is uh, kind of the one thing that jumps out to me because you know we kind of all expected Duvall and Riley to be up whenever they were going to come up. Riley a little bit longer, um, based on Gwinnett's play, I suppose, but not Gwinnett's done. So uh, no no worries there, and the roster is what it is, and it's September baseball. But what were your thoughts on kind of the way that was constructed, and I guess we can look ahead as well. Yeah, this time of year, it only makes sense. I mean, as we saw, again, not to talk about Sunday's game too much, but you know, it was... I don't want to say it was a blowout and the game was over, but you kind of had the sense the way that Max Scherzer was pitching. The game was, uh, it wasn't a one-run game in the eighth inning where if if you throw out guys like A.J. Minter, Chad Sabatka, Darren O'Day, you know, it's it's a long year, and I think the bullpen has been really heavily used over the last six weeks or so. Um, by bringing these guys up, obviously you're not going to uh, start throwing them out there in, in close games, or at least I wouldn't hope so. 
Um, but if in games where you're down eight to one, I think Jeremy Walker also got called up. He got some garbage time work today. Um, I'd much rather give these innings to those guys than, you know, throw Shane Green out there who's been used so much or Chris Martin or um, so. Yeah, it makes sense. Bryce Wilson came up and then went went, went right back down. Um, it never hurts to have guys who can throw multiple innings out of the bullpen. I think that's what Bryce will probably do here the final couple weeks, maybe even make a spot start or two. Um, assuming they clinch fairly early on to, to give the starters some rest. So it makes sense. All the teams do it and with good reason. The bullpens at this point in the year are pretty gassed, and you just want to make sure you have enough juice for the final couple weeks of the year and then, of course, the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you have three catchers. You have all the all the stuff that you would want in September, uh, and it, it makes a lot of sense to carry those guys. You know, you know using the, the lower-tier pitchers does make sense. You know, there was some faint hope. I think you tweeted this out as well that, um, you know, it'd be nice if A.J. Minter was A.J. Minter again, but there's no sign of that. It's just that he's been uh, bad all season. I wish he was really better because th- that's kind of the weak spot in the bullpen if you look ahead a little bit is that um, is that lefty spot beyond Sean Newcomb, who, who has up, he's had his ups and downs as well. But um, if you assume Sean Newcomb is there, you know, it's, it's Jerry Blevins or bust. There really isn't anybody else um, since Minter has been so shaky. Uh, so that, that's kind of a weird spot. And it was hope, we were kind of hoping that Minter was going to show a little bit better, but that hasn't really happened. Um, I want to – oh, and by, by the way, the uh, the whole thing I wanted to mention quickly about today's game, uh, I guess shouts to Brian Snicker a little bit for uh, getting the stars out of the game today. They they sat the last two innings, which isn't, isn't a huge deal by any means – but Snicker has uh, kind of notoriously been bad about playing guys and overplaying guys. So it's a very, very small victory. But uh, he got the stars out of the game for the last two innings in a blowout. And, uh, you know, that's something that happened that I want to at least say, you know, good on him for doing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the advantages of having a now nine-game lead in the division. Um, you know, if they were a game up on Washington and down a couple runs, would they do it? I don't know. But when you have this advantage, it's something the Dodgers have done really well not to always compare the Braves to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers obviously know what they're doing. Um, when you have this much of a division lead, you have to do things like this. Once you're in the you know games 140 and 150 of the year, um, as you said, just a couple innings off is smart. Even if it prevents someone fouling a ball off their foot and being a little hobbled for a day or two, it's all worth it. Um, get those guys a breather and, and then get ready because um, while the Braves have built themselves a division lead, they have a, a pretty tough upcoming stretch, which we'll talk about, you know, Phillies and then the Nats again. Um, they're going to need to be ready to go for this um, if if they're going to make a run. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, worth saying, and I guess we buried the lead a little bit. When you win nine, nine in a row and 17 of 19 games um, at a really good time, it allows you some uh, nice opportunities. And that's what I think hopefully will be the case. You know, nothing's over, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get going on the podcast. But uh, a nice situation the Braves are in allows them to be a little bit creative and be flexible and kind of utilize all the roster tools that are at their disposal here. Um, I did tease the Mark Bowman piece. I want to reference it a little bit here and again without going too deep on it. Um, some interesting takeaways that I thought we should uh, at least hit on from his projection. And again, it's a projection, and apparently this is going to be a weekly thing from Mark, um, who, of course, is uh, someone, someone's work and we enjoy. But um I thought it was interesting that, that he only, only projected two catchers because I've been thinking for a while since Cervelli, especially since Cervelli is a, a real player, um, Snicker seems to like three catchers and only having two on this on this projection was interesting to me. And the other one that I think was at least noteworthy um, is the fact that Ender Enciarte was not on the projection. Uh, Billy Hamilton was, um, which is worth noting. And also, um, so was Adam Duvall, so was Austin Riley, so was Johan Camargo. So basically everybody but Ender, and I think from what Bowman was saying, it's basically health-related. He's not projecting Ender to be left off if fully healthy, 
but um, just basically saying that they, that they weren't going to rush him back. That's kind of what I took away from this. But was there anything else that ju- jumped out to you? And any any thoughts on a projection that does not include Ender or Cervelli on it? No, not too much. It's worth noting that Nick Markakis is now penciled in, and and there was also an article I think on on Friday that came out that um, that Nick and Ender had both progressed pretty well and they're a little bit ahead of schedule i guess uh it kind of flew under the radar no one had really reported it but um nick's been taking batting practice for a week now um, yeah they've been, they've like, been uh, uh, I, w- I was down there this week actually and there, there's there's a little bit of buzz about about Marcakis, you know some some whispers and he was out doing a little bit so that that one is less surprising and there's been a little bit of chatter on that ender it's been much more quiet but the Marcakis thing is not being like you know promoted by them necessarily they're not like sticker's not going out and talking about it all the time once he's asked about it but I think Marcakis is um, pretty pretty close from what I have heard. That's not like me pulling pull out sourcing, but just kind of being there once mm-hmm. this week and reading between the lines. I think he's he's getting pretty close. Yeah, and and just because he's out there too, it's going to be interesting. You know, Freddie Freeman said that it took him really a full year when he broke his wrist. Now, I'm not saying they're the same wrist injury or, or whatever it may be, but Freddie, who is obviously as good of a hitter in baseball as there is, said it was really about a year before he regained full strength in his wrist. I don't know what that means for Nick Markakis, who's a guy who doesn't have uh, or never really had the same pop that Freddie had. So yeah, I mean, it, it's bad news, healthy. by the way. If if he's not if he's not full strength, it's it's bad news for him because at full yeah. strength, Markakis is a solid supporting piece. If mm-hmm. he's not full strength, I mean, this is over oversimplifying, but if he's not full strength, he doesn't really help you with much of anything. Yeah. Um, so that's something to monitor. I, I'm sure that they're going to be careful with him to a certain extent. But, you know, I tweeted about this a little bit this week, and I want to get too deep into it, I guess. But I have a, a very strong suspicion that Marquecas will be overused in compared to where he should be used um, when we get to October. And that won't be his fault. That'll be just Snicker going back to the well and treating him as an everyday player. I hope I'm wrong about that. I think he can bring value in the in a supporting role. But I have I have fear, and I know I'm not alone on this, that he's going to suddenly just be there every single day, and that would not be a good idea. Even if he is yeah, healthy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think, I mean, again, you talk about the advantage of of having this lead they have. I hope that they don't rush him back. Now, they won't. Uh, obviously, the Braves medical staff is, has done a really nice job this year, I think. And, um, and they certainly know, and Nick knows how he's feeling better than any of us do. But um, I do hope that because they have a couple of, of good options. Um, I also want, it's not even on our little dock of things to talk about, but Matt Joyce has been phenomenal this year like really since the beginning of the year he was a guy the Braves plucked for basically nothing um right before the season began um homered again today off Max Scherzer he's homered in back-to-back games now um last I checked he has an on-base percentage above 400 and this isn't a guy who's in a Charlie Culberson role where he's maybe getting like three at bats a week I mean you look at him now he's up to 100 191 plate appearances this year um, and on the year, while and granted he's predominantly facing righties, which is his strength, uh, hitting 296, 403, 488 uh, with a 133 WRC plus. He's walking a bunch, isn't striking out too much either. Um, so as we're as we're talking about, I guess corner outfielders and the prognosis moving forward, I did want to plug uh, Matt Joyce at the prime age of 35 is having one of the best offensive seasons of his career with the Braves. Yeah, it's funny. I, I got a message on Twitter this week um, that was like kind of making fun of us for going overboard in our Matt Joyce praise last week. So I'm really glad you did it again. We're turning into the Matt Joyce uh, praise podcast. But I'm you're all right. For it. I mean, 
he's been awesome. I mean, I, I said it a lot last week. I don't, don't want to add too much there, but he was uh, he's been really good. And uh, the hitting, if nothing else, about Matt Joyce, we know that he rakes against right-handed pitching because he's done it for more than a decade. Like yeah. he doesn't, he's not great at anything else. He doesn't. He's not a great fielder. He doesn't really hit lefties that well. But um, you know, short of the stars on this team, if I have one at bat, I guess I guess the right-handed pitcher, it's probably Matt Joyce for me. Mm-hmm. Short of the stars, take 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 the top four out, and he'd be the guy I go with. It's either, it's you know him and McCann would be in there, and Marquez would be in there too. But I would go with Joyce. Um, that's how good he is against righties. So uh, yeah, worth pointing out, and it's a super valuable piece to have, and someone who's been really consistent throughout the season. Oh, one more thing before we get off the roster. Um, I, I should at least mention that the roster projection that Bowman had also left off Hechevarria, um, which doesn't surprise me too much. He, he noted that I'd be kind of choosing Camargo over him. I think Camargo, you know, has not been great this year. We've talked about that a number of times, but with, Unless Dansby is shaky, which I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he is. I think there, if there's every reason to think that he is healthy. Hetchbury doesn't really do much for you. He's a pure backup shortstop and a glove first shortstop, and you're not going to take Dansby off the field. So unless there's some weirdness with Swanson or you or you just have nobody else, there's no real reason to carry Hetchbury, particularly because you have guys on your roster. Uh, in this instance, it would be, you know, Ozzy could play there too, but you have Camargo and Culberson who, who, who both can play shortstop. Something were to happen to Dansby, you can do that. And Hetchbury just doesn't hit enough. I know he's been pretty pretty solid with the Braves and as an overall guy, but he was really just there while Dansby was out. If, if Dansby had been healthy, they probably wouldn't have signed him. There's, there wasn't a whole lot of reason to do that. And I think in the playoffs, um, you know, it wouldn't blow me away if they carried him, but I'd be on the other side of that. I'd rather have Camargo. I'd rather have Culberson because, you know, I think those guys just have a little bit more utility. As bad as Camargo has been, I think, you know, with the bat, I probably trust him more than Hechevarria. And he, and he can also play corner outfield spots, and Hechevarria is just basically a backup shortstop. Do you agree with that, or is, is he someone who you was more on your radar than he is for me? You know, I think I would actually take Hechevarria over Culberson at this point. But I, I wouldn't mean, mind that, except for the fact that Culberson plays everywhere else. Like, yeah. I think Culberson's been bad, and I'm trying not to point it out, because every time we talk about him being bad, um, we'll get yelled at. But he hasn't hit really at all since the beginning of the season. Like he was really hot early, and he hasn't really hit for a long, long time. But I think we just know he's going to be on the team. That's kind of where I am. I, I just think it would be a big departure from Snicker to not have Culberson on the roster. I just think it'd be a little bit shocking to me, as even as bad as he's been. A, he's just the guy they love, and B, he plays everywhere. Like yeah. that's the that, that's yeah. the advantage that he has over Hetcher. I, I agree, Hetcher is probably a better baseball player. It's just that Culberson has the the longevity and the flexibility that I think they're probably going to prioritize. And I think you know you mentioned it too about Dansby, assuming he's healthy, and he has struggled a, a fair bit since coming off the injured list. Um, you know, I, I but as you said, it's hard to envision a scenario where Dansby comes off the field where you're really worried about. A defensive hole at shortstop, yeah, right? They're not like, going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's Dansby. You know, you're not going to pinch run for Dansby. You're not. He, he's not a guy who has extreme splits. Uh, as a it would be injury only. Like I can't imagine yeah. a healthy scenario where he's not playing all nine innings of, of a playoff game. It's just and, not and I guess yeah, and I guess that's I'm, I guess I'm kind of talking myself into Culberson at least as things stand. You know, it's hard to envision a scenario where Dansby isn't playing defensively. I guess if he were to get hurt in the middle of a game, then you survive with Culberson or Camargo at short, and then. You know, if it's a serious injury, you you make that roster move. Um, 
but yeah, you know, the, the guy, all the guys, all, all these players kind of on the fringe playoff roster, I think there's about 20 or so of them who are locks or, or close to it. And then there's five, uh, five guys, or there's obviously five spots and there's maybe 10 players who are going to be right on that, right on the cusp of making it or, or just missing. So, um, you do have a couple weeks to kind of sort it out. You hope everybody stays healthy and, and see how the guys perform over the next few weeks. But again, it's, it's not the worst problem to have. We've talked at length about how much of an issue depth was last year. And, and I think to Anthopolis in the front office cr- office's credit, um, he's done a really good job of building more than just a 25 man roster to the point where you have 30 or 35 players in the organization, where if you had to put them out there in a uh, game five, game seven scenario in the playoffs, you wouldn't completely have to cover your eyes and hope that either the ball didn't get hit to them or that they didn't come up in a big situation at the plate. Yeah, there's no Rene Rivera. There's no Ryan Flaherty on this uh, on this roster competing for the playoffs right now, which is good. And by the way, we should at least point out. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do a mea culpa that Culberson did homer today, so um, he did something recently, which is good. And there I, I still go. think that he has he has more utility than I that I want to give him credit for. It's just the bat has not been there for a few months now, and but maybe he's coming out of it. And we'll see how that goes. Oh, and to your point about guys who are sort of jockeying for playoff position, um, I think you know. Without going into the rotation bullpen conundrum too much, you know, I think pretty clearly Cervelli, Camargo, Culberson, Riley, Hamilton, Duvall, um, not really Ortega, I don't think. I think he has no chance, barring injury. But that's, you know, seven guys. Hechevria, you know, there's there's probably seven guys competing for like three or four spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, not a bad problem to have in terms of the uh, bats. Quickly on the rotation bullpen side, um, Bowman projects a four-man rotation, um, basically with the four guys you might think, Soroka, Keichel, Max Fried, who's been awesome recently, and Julio Tehran, with Fulte coming out of the bench as kind of, uh, sorry, out of the bullpen, as kind of the only long man in the bullpen. Um, It's the guys you would imagine, Melanson, Green, Martin, Newcomb, Luke Jackson, and Blevins is, you have to have a lefty, basically, and then Fulte. So only 11 pitchers. That does not surprise me, given that Fulte is one of the 11. If you have a real starter in the bullpen, that allows you to go a little bit shorter, I think, and that's kind of what I would do, but I mean, there's not too much wiggle room here. Is there anything that you would change? I, I can't imagine what you would change unless you just like trusted Josh Tomlin over Fulte, which I guess they could. But yeah. Fulte's upside yeah. is just so much higher. It's not. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think the only thing that'll play a little bit of a factor is who the Braves end up playing. Um, yeah, that's and, true. and again, not to turn this into the 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 playoff. Uh, we'll do we'll do protection. we'll do all that later i promise it's yeah coming. yeah yeah um you know but if you play a team for example like the cubs who have a handful of really good left-handed hitters then i think jerry blevin's role and having two lefties becomes far more important than if you're playing the cardinals who are basically a right-handed exclusive lineup i think they have one uh true lefty in their entire order and it's colton wong who's not gonna scare you right so no Maybe you don't care as much about a second lefty in that scenario, and you prefer a righty like uh, Anthony Swarzak, who struggled, or Darren O'Day, or Jeremy Walker, something like that. Um, but ultimately, no, I think that's that's probably going to be what uh, what the, the bullpen looks like. Yep, that's probably going to be it. And again, we'll come back to this. It's only September eighth. We're going to talk, you know, three or four times between now and the playoffs, and we'll uh, adjust as needed. Um, okay, that's that's enough of that for now. Let's take a quick break, Scott, and we'll come right back and talk more about what happened this week and look ahead a little bit. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs 
can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. And, um, yeah, it was a fun week at the office for the Braves. Obviously, Sunday did not go well, and that goes without saying. But, um, as I referenced quickly earlier, they they won nine in a row. They had won 17 of 19 before today. Um, a mini sweep over Toronto, which is not unexpected because Toronto's not very good. But it was uh, still nice to see them take care of business there. And then taking three or four um, very, very important baseball games from the Nationals. We can sort of take the big picture approach in a minute, but... You know, anything stand out to you? I, I, my favorite thing that I wanted to reference first and foremost this week, um, and there's a lot of things to talk about, um, were the two performances from Ma- uh, there was the Max Free game on Thursday and the Dallas Keuchel game on Friday. Dallas Keuchel has a sub one ERA in his last five starts. It doesn't always look like he's absolutely dominating, but Keuchel coming on in a big way. Um, has been very nice, and I thought Free was awesome again on Thursday um, to set the table, really set the tone for the series. That's probably a little bit overstated in some ways, but coming out and just blanking the Nationals for seven innings in the first game of an all-important series, those things just kind of jumped out to me as uh, really, really important in terms of uh, navigating what became a series win. Yeah, you know, we, we were talking on Thursday that it was weird in the sense that with four games against your division rival in the playoffs right around the corner, the Braves were in the position of even if they split the four games, they were in good shape. They would still have been, uh, what were they up? Seven games, eight games at that point. Um, even if you split the nationals don't gain any ground and you cross four big days off the calendar. Well, they go, go ahead. And of course and win three out of four division leads at nine. It got up to 10 after Saturday night's win. Um, but yeah, Freed and Keiko were, were fantastic. Um, I, I think if memory serves the nationals, are the best hitting team in the National League against left-handed pitching. So for those two guys to uh, dominate the way they did was was even more impressive. Freed, you know, he's had a couple of really dominant starts. That was as dominant as we've ever seen him. Um, he was basically perfect after the first inning, and it was an infield single from Anthony Rendon. And after that, um, it wasn't even like the Nationals were hitting line drives or hitting under the warning track and being caught. Uh, he was dominant. So... Uh, Freed was great. Keiko's great. He seems like he's kind of really hit his groove. You know, of course, he's for him. He was talking uh, during an interview the other night that he almost is in the middle of his season right now. His his season's really more in like June or July because of his late start. And that's when he said he always felt like he kind of really got into a groove and he was up and down. I think uh, there were some frustrations and inconsistencies or in the first month or two with him as he as he uh, did something he's never done before signing in June. Um, but no, those two guys are really great. Julio was, was really good once again on, on Saturday night. Um, so take three out of four from the Nats, add another game to the division lead, um, all while cutting four days off the calendar is, is really good. Yeah. You know, pretty clearly the, the big picture was, uh, 
awesome in that you took care of business. You lose one game this week, and um, it happens to be the game that we uh, right before we right before we record, we record the podcast, which is less than optimal, but still, um, you know, no uh, no complaints. Uh, I have to ask you, it's something we haven't talked about a ton. Um, does Mike Soroka cooling off worry you a little bit? Not not worry. Worry is probably the wrong word, but he hasn't been quite as good. Which is to be expected. He was kind of pitching over his head a little bit for most of the season. You know, he had a sub two ERA for a long time. Um, his ERA, even after today, I think is not. You know, I'm looking at it now, trying to pull it up. But you know, he wasn't great today by any means, and he's not been getting pelted by any means. You know, it's two, his, his ERA is two point six seven for the season. That's obviously quite good. But is that the pitcher he is? Like that? That's a question that I think somebody asked me on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. So my apologies. But is there any concern for you that Soroka? You know, while while still pitching well, hasn't been the dominant ace necessarily over the last five yeah. six starts. Yeah, I, I tweeted it too. I mean, I I'm not concerned, right? Like, it's not like oh no, the Braves, this kid that they've rode all year long is now falling apart because there's no shame in giving up four runs to the Nationals over six innings. But um, even today, I mean, he he had a fair number of strikeouts, but the umpire was terrible, and like three or four of his uh, seven strikeouts were balls that were like a foot off the plate. So his day could have been even worse than what it was. Um, he gave up a couple of homers uncharacteristically to a pretty bad Blue Jays lineup. Um, so yeah, it's not like a great concern. Like, you know, it's not like, oh God. Yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sounding the alarm. Like, he, he's still been fine. It's just that yeah. when you have this rotation of guys, you know, Dallas Keuchel, for all that, all that I just said positively about him, at this point in his career, does not strike me as someone who's going to be terrifying to opponents. He's still a good mm-hmm. pitcher, and you know we, we praise that signing. He's been very good. I'm not saying anything bad about Dallas Keuchel, but he isn't the Cy Young, quote-unquote, guy that he was. So if Soroka isn't that guy, it's a, l- a little bit concerning. I think Max Freed is the one guy who could probably go out and just like tear a lineup apart. Even when Soroka was cooking like that, I mean, there were nights when he looked like when he looked that way, but it was more like him just being awesome generally, not just him dominating people. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's weird because you look at his numbers and obviously he's been so they're really good. good. He's been awesome. Um, the one thing though that was kind of the one primary concern was, and he was so good at, was limiting home runs in a time when everybody's hitting homers, right? Like there's like seven home runs every night. It seems like so for him to be so good at limiting home runs and then all of a sudden he's starting to give them up now maybe it's just a three or four game sample where it's just baseball and and he's going to give up his fair share of them i mean even even coming in like i'm I'm looking at this now this is this this does not include today and which wouldn't make these numbers look worse the 15 starts before today his era was 3.4 now that's really good that's a good era but you know some of that's just regression from it being like 1.4 before that yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, that's 15 starts is a half season of 3.4 ERA. And if that's your worst half season, that's awesome, clearly. But it's just, I'm trying to, I'm not even sure what I'm saying. It's just a situation where I want to be realistic about what Mike Soroka is. And he's still super duper young, number one. He's never thrown as many innings in his career, like anywhere close to as many innings in his career. And if he keeps going, you maybe you hope you skip him a time or two. Um, yeah. down the stretch because the division lead and all that stuff. We were talking about opening doors earlier, but he's still going to be sitting at, you know, 170 plus in innings. And if yeah. you want to make the run you're going to hopefully make here, it's going to be a lot higher than that even. So 
just, I'm not concerned. Concern is the wrong word, but it's just more like, okay, let's note the fact that he hasn't been dominant for three months now. He's been yeah. good, not dominant. Good's fine, but, you know, it's just, if we, we've all kind of been talking about him as the clear number one starter on this team because he's been that all season long and he's performed that way, but I'm not sure that does him justice, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think ideally, what's the what's the magic number at right now? 11, something like that. Yeah, uh, it's exactly 11. So, yeah. uh, ideally, within, oh, you know, 10 days, two weeks, they, they clinch, and they can comfortably skip Soroka a time, even Freed as well. Um, even skipping, like, a Julio start, I wouldn't hate. Like, bring up bring up guys who are on the 40-man. Bring, like, bring up Kyle Wright. Kyle yeah. Wright, throw up. Colorado throw a start, Wright's supposed to throw a start, whatever you need to do. Yeah, like who can even like Josh Tomlin could be stretched out for four or five. Like who cares? Sure. If, if you've yeah, if you've clinched the division and they have a you know, I think right now they're they're four and a half or five back of the Dodgers for the number one. Oh, seed. I was gonna say, I'm glad Probably you brought that up because we got a couple there. questions about that today. Like I think from last week's podcast, we've sort of downplayed the pursuit of the number one seed and you know with the way the Braves played this week, it became more interesting. You know, they lost mm-hmm. today and the Dodgers won, and now it's three and a half games, which yeah. is not that. That's uh, that, that's but... a number that you certainly could close. Um, at the same time, you know, five thirty-eight is the projection system that updates in real time. They have them projected five games ahead of the Braves. And well, so and they won the series to the season series. So if they tie, then the Dodgers get the one seed in the Braves. Yeah, so the- it's a situation where, yes, it's not over. And I think it's a lot more likely that the Braves finish first than it is that they don't win the East at this point. That's that goes that goes without saying. But I don't, I don't think you can worry about that unless no. the Dodgers just really really blow up here. Because I'm not sure it's wise for the Braves to put the foot to the floor all the way to the end um, on the chance that they catch the Dodgers. Because yeah. we're, we're all hoping, and at this point, it seems pretty likely that they're going to be able to cruise in the division a little bit. Because you know. The, the lead is what it is, and the eleven imagine number of eleven with eighteen games to play is uh, a pretty nice cushion. Uh, it's not over. We, again, it's, I'm, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. It's not over till it's over. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not closing the door. I'm not ringing the bell. I'm not doing any of that stuff. But you know, number one seed is not out of my mind, but it's not my concern. Honestly, yeah. it, it's get to the finish line healthy and ready to go and set up for the playoffs. It's not really yep. going in. And you, honestly, you could argue that you'd rather have the two seed anyway. The only thing that changes is basically an argument between would you want home field against the Dodgers in the in the second round or would you want to face not the Nationals in the first yeah. round? Yeah. I don't know. I, I go both ways on that. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. People were acting like it was a slam dunk that you want the one seed. I guess you probably would. But it isn't like a definite for me. I think the Nationals are pretty clearly the third best team in the National League. Maybe, maybe I'm just on that limb. If you don't believe that, then you probably wouldn't want the two seed. But if you think the Nationals are the third best team, and I, and I do, um, I think I'd rather just avoid that and have them play the Dodgers in the first round. But yeah, me too. And, and I think too, you look at it. So the Braves are 89 and 55. The Cardinals, who now have a four and a half game lead over the Cubs. Like, yeah, they've been awesome quietly. by the way for a while. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've had a pretty soft schedule and they've just been crushing people um, while the Cubs and Brewers beat each other up. And but at this point, the Braves have a eight game, seven and a half game lead over the Cardinals. I mean, for sure you want home field advantage in the in the NLDS. Like in a short series, oh, yeah. I think it's so much more important than in the NLCS. Yep. Um so if the trade-off is, well, yeah, they're going to be the two seed, and if 
yeah, if they win the NLDS and if the Dodgers win the NLDS, then you have to open up the, on the road, then so be it. I would much rather fall a couple games short of the, of the Dodgers and give, you know, skip a Mike Soroka start, skip and a Mike Street start. Yeah. Um, because as we talked about, Soroka, this is first full year. This is Freed's first full year. Um, even Julio's liked a ton of innings. It would be really nice to give those guys a breather um, and get them ready for, for October. It certainly would be. And one quick note about the Cardinals as we just brought them up. They were sub-500 at the All-Star break. So that kind of tells you that they've been uh, on the Nationals-Braves trajectory of just lighting the world on fire for the last you know, two plus months now, they were 40, they were 44 and 45 at one point. So now they are anyone. Yeah. They're 37 and 17. They're last 54. So they're really good, but yeah, I, no, I they are. Think, I, still think, I still think that you'd rather play uh, them than the nationals or the Dodgers. Oh, easily. And you look at their team and that's, you know, it's kind of like the Braves is uh, problem. Their last couple playoff teams is like, yeah, they're a good, regular season team but they just don't scare you in a short series because of how their the roster's built like jack flaherty's really good but miles michaelis is not a you know shut down max scherzer strasburg corbin type adam wainwright is their number three he's been okay you know so Bra- it's not Braves like, legend adam wainwright that's um, right yeah never forget yeah. um <laughs> so all this to say you know you don't want to go too far here and and start projecting playoff series victories on September 8th or whatever today is. But no. um, I guess to kind of wrap it all up, I, I wouldn't worry too much. I think that that's the whole playoff seating thing is, is going to be what it is. Um, clinch the division first, rest your guys. And as long as you're no worse than the two seed, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and I started to do that tangent about Soroka. It's just uh, it was it was in my mind, and somebody asked me about it, and I, I meant to say on last week's show, and it got even a little bit worse this week. So I wanted to point that out a little bit. Um, that's I don't know. That's probably all we need to say about this week. Obviously, it goes without saying that just going out and winning can't be overstated. You go out and win three out of four against the Nationals, and you basically take your NL East odds from like ninety percent ish to ninety eight, ninety nine percent in four days, and that. And that's that's with a loss. I mean, you know, if, they, if they won today, it would have been uh, the Avalanche would have been here. Um, so they were kind of due for a <laughs> loss, I suppose. Um, yeah. Let's look at let's look ahead a little bit. Unless you have more to reflect on from this week, we, we could look ahead at the schedule and just like kind of what's ahead because, yeah. I mean, the Braves. We said it before, but uh, imagine the magic number is eleven with eighteen to play. That that means the Braves could very realistically just do it on their own. If they go 11 and 7, the Nationals can't catch them. And by the way, the Nationals are not going to win out. I'm sorry, that doesn't really happen. I guess there's maybe a point a 0.001% chance the Nationals actually win all of their games. No. But that and does not seem insane, likely. Yeah, they have an insane schedule. They have yeah. the Twins. They still have to go to the Twins. They go to the Cardinals. They host the Braves. Um, yeah, we talked about they, the gauntlet. To, I think it was last week on last week's show about the Braves having yeah. to play the Nationals and Phillies so much. But then the Braves at the very end of the year play San Francisco, Kansas City, and the Mets. And yeah. that is a nice break compared to what the Nationals have. So yeah, and a Mets team that's probably going to be out of it. They lost again today. Yeah, you would imagine. I mean, you're going up there, and I'm, I'm sure they want to play spoiler a little bit because it's a division series and it's on the road, and you don't want to take anything for granted. But again, we're, we're hoping that the Braves are setting up the rotation by then, and we're going to see some uh, some soft yeah. lineups and some days off and all that fun stuff that week. So 11, match number 11 with 18 to go. Obviously, an awesome situation. 99% division odds most places 98 99 percent um but 
at Philly this week for four, and then Washington again. Um, the matchup I have circled on my metaphorical sheet here is uh, Friday, the rematch, Soroka and, and Scherzer again. Um, if things go well the next four days, maybe Friday we're even in, 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 a, better, in a better spot. But uh, that, that was just fun to see those guys like even just written down facing yeah. each other it's just one of yeah. those things that you get excited about as a baseball fan <laughs> to talk about that but you know four against the phillies what's the goal there i think the goal for me would be go up there and split uh realistically yeah. you want to do, you want to do more than that but if you go 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 ahead and get go ahead and get two out of four on the road against the phillies team that you know the phillies have been a disappointment this year overall but they're still a team that's over 500 they're not a terrible baseball team you certainly yeah. can't be expected to go in there and win three out of four games even with the braves playing so well the, the math would tell you that a split is pretty likely, and that would be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Monday night is faulty against Aaron Nola, who has been terrific and is terrific. So even if they lose Monday, you talked about splitting, then you it's kind of their best against your worst. But then you have Freed against Jason Vargas, who's been pretty bad since coming over. Keichel against Eflin. We talked about how good Dallas has been. And then Julio Tehran against uh, Drew Smiley, who is apparently starting games for the Phillies right now. Um, so, yeah, you go two and two. Um, we mentioned the national schedule, so they're off Monday. But then they have a three-game series against the Twins. Um, and they're going to face the Twins' three best starters in that series, uh, which helps. Uh, so, yeah, just just split the series. As long as you don't start getting swept, they're going to win the division. There's only, you know, it's it's really a numbers game at this point. Don't Every say win. gonna, Scott. I don't. I don't like it's, that. My my, after, my Atlanta sports radar is going off. Don't say gonna. After the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I I no longer believe in curses. So you're the uh, only one. Let me bring on. Yeah, I know. That's maybe because I'm not an Atlanta fan across the board. But exactly. Um, but again, uh, <laughs> just just win two games. Shit. Even if they lose three out of four, just hope that the Nationals don't sweep the Twins. Suddenly, the Nationals have lost. Um, this past week, if it wasn't for that insane seven-run comeback against the Nats, or yeah, let's talk about Nats. that. Let's just mention that real quick. What a, what a ridiculous baseball game that was! And that was last time that, that happened since we recorded last. That was Tuesday. If you somehow missed this, the Nats came back from was it seven down or six down? Seven. I think they were down six and scored seven. Yeah, yeah, ten to four in the ninth, and they score. Yeah. They score seventh. They score seven and uh, win it on Tuesday, eleven to ten. Um, but aside from that, I, I think you were going to say they. They still this week went went two and five even yeah. with that win. So they were they were due for some regression, as the Braves probably are too. Um, but uh, the Nationals were due for the cool off. They had been incredible for a long time, and uh, it happened. And then now, by the way, your prize Nationals is to go on the road to Minnesota and play a very good baseball team. So yep, best of luck yeah. with that. Yeah, and then then they get to turn around and host the Braves for three games. And those at that point then. You know, you talk about both the Phillies. I mean, you look at the Phillies. Uh, the Braves can actually eliminate the Phillies if they win three games this week against. Oh, let's let's uh, have that happen. Philly, let's, let's they could uh, they could knock them off at at least out of the East. Um, you know, the, the wild card race is kind of funky. I guess we talk we we survey the National League. I mean, the Nats are three up. I can't imagine a scenario where the Nationals don't make it. Even with a tough schedule, they're a good enough team with a three game. I could yeah, I could see them. I could see them not being the home team. Like they have a three-game lead on the Cubs, and it's what four and a half on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, uh, they're obviously the big favorite to be the number to be the home team in the, in the wild card game. I, I think the Cubs, just being the Cubs, and the fact they're only three back, they could chase them down. It wouldn't be it would not be a big surprise. But you know, if you're talking about the Diamondbacks or the Brewers 
or the Phillies having to climb, you know, five games in the loss column in in, yeah. in a, what seventeen eighteen games. That that's a that's a big way to drop. So I think the Nationals are going to be there. Um, it's a one game playoff. Who who the bleep knows what's going to happen in that game, mm. um, yeah. whether it's the Nationals or not. But I think I think they're the best team and they're three games up. So the combination of those two things puts them in a pretty good spot. The other the other game, I mean the other the other team though, there are there are, what four teams within two games. Phil, yeah, Phillies, Brewers, D-backs, and Cubs are all two game within two games of each other for that yeah. second wild card spot. And then the Mets are not done. I mean, we've we we kind of buried the Mets a second ago. They're, they're probably done, but they're only four back. I mean, they have to pass yeah. three teams. That's that's more that's more of the problem. Is they have to pass four, three teams. They have to probably win. I mean, they have twenty games left. They probably have to go like fifteen and five, which yeah. is a lot. Um, yeah, this week too. Looking at the schedule, the Mets and Diamondbacks actually play each other, so that's a series that will probably uh will probably put one of those two teams to bed. I mean it's kind of fun this time of year when you have a nine game division lead you can kind of look and enjoy the other races you're not like sweating yeah. out every pitch now again that's not too I don't want to get yelled at in a couple of days if the Braves lose a few in a row and say you you know you were you you know <laughs> you jinxed them uh you big it'll, it'll be me yelling at you not not everybody it'll just be me that, like on text true. message screaming at you, you scott it's for me uh tempting the atlanta sports gods i guess <laughs> um, but uh but yeah i mean it's it's gonna be a fun uh fun couple weeks the american league has a really good wild card race too going on so um it, it should be a fun a fun stretch and again you know the braves play seven games this week if they go four and three the the division is basically over even if they go three and four the division is pretty close to getting wrapped especially if they can win a game or two against the nationals um, magic number of 11 it's just it doesn't it may not seem as easy as it actually projects to be but if your magic number is 11 with 18 to play like you know the nationals what's the best okay in your mind right now let's do the math what is the absolute reasonable best case scenario for the nationals down the stretch like 14 and 4 um and they have what the 18 games left, 20 games left, I think. I think they have 20 they have left. 20, they have 20 left. Sorry, they have 20 left. The Braves so, only have 18 games I left. mean, absolute best case. Like 15 schedule, and 5, 16 and 4? Probably, I mean, best case is probably like 15 and 5. I mean, they would have to go. Like, the thing is, they, they've already had their nuclear run, and they still couldn't catch up to the Braves. Yeah, I mean, um, if, it, if, if we say 16, if we say 16 and 4, which we both, we, we both think is exceptionally unlikely. If they go, that's four losses. The magic number is, the magic number is 11. If they go sixteen and four, which again is wildly unlikely, like a two percent outcome, if that, the Braves would still get in. The Braves would still win the division if they go seven and eleven. Yeah. So the with, the odds of that are sub one percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I am not closing the door because I have seen some things in my life, but um, <laughs> yeah. including a twenty-eight to three Super Bowl lead. There it um, is. I had to, but listen. It's probably a sub one percent outcome. It's certainly a sub two percent outcome that the Braves don't win the NL East at this point. Um, the Stars have to align it in such a way that it's just absolutely insane. And I just want to like put the numbers out there. So, yes, I guess the Nationals could go eight, could go nineteen and one. They're not going to do that. I'm knocking on all wood in front of me right now, but it's they're not going to do that. So yeah. realistically, if the Braves just don't completely fall apart, just don't go four and fourteen. That's mm-hmm. basically what you have to do. Just sort of sort of be 500. It, I, I'm willing to bet a heavy amount if the Braves go even seven and eleven, they're they're gonna they're gonna win, they're gonna win the NL, the NL East. Yeah. So especially with the schedule and 
looking ahead to next weekend, they will see Max Scherzer again on Friday, but they will miss Strasburg and Corbin in the series, which is nice. So they'll get Animal Sanchez, who's been pretty good ever since his early season funk. But Joe um, Ross. But I, would, but I would certainly take Anibal over uh, those other two, their other two aces. Um, and then either Joe Ross or Austin Foth, who was actually pretty good on, uh, oh, was it Saturday night when he pitched? Yeah, I uh, mean, it's projected to be Joe Ross right now on what I'm looking at, but uh, neither of those guys are going to scare you. And Anibal, I mean, Anibal against Max Freed is not a disadvantage for the Braves on paper. Um, you know, anytime you're facing Scherzer, it's advantage nationals and the betting lines will tell you that and all that stuff. But any other matchup within reason is not going to be a huge gap. Even if it's Strasburg against Fulty or Julio, who yeah. pick your, whoever your, whoever your least favorite guy is, that isn't a huge mismatch for the Braves. Um, if yeah. it's Scherzer against Fulty, you, you know, you're talking about a pretty significant underdog in that situation because Scherzer is the best pitcher in the world or at least one of the best three pitchers in the world. But yeah, I mean, just the math. I'm trying to do the math and rely on the math and not my and not my horrors from the past. Um, the math will tell you that the Braves are in incredible shape. So yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Um, all right, Scott. Well, we probably blabbered on enough. Anything that you wanted to get out there that we've that we've missed so far? And if not, uh, anything you got going on and uh, looking ahead? I know we talked about the schedule, but you writing anything? Talking about anything? Just planning for stuff on this podcast or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bowman actually stole my thunder a little bit. I was gonna work on a uh, kind of a playoff do roster it. construction. Yeah. So that I'll just dunk on, I, just dunk on Mark Bowman's and then and post it and then send him a text. Like, Hey, Hey <laughs> right, Bowman, yeah. see this dunk yeah. on. You. No, I, yeah. I actually, I met Mark a couple weeks ago for the first time. I talked to him a couple times in my life, but I met him a few weeks ago for the first time. Talked to him again this week. Great guy. Yeah. Trust super Mark nice Mark. guy. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we'll have that. And as always on the, on the Twitter machine is always a good time. Um, but yeah, keep checking it out. We do want to give a shout out to the minor league guys. The, uh, Braves yeah, minor season's over. season is over, over Gwinnett is out. So, and they were the only team. So shout out to Eric and all of the minor league gurus we have and, um, and road to Atlanta and all that good stuff. Those guys do great work. So be sure to check out that if, if you haven't. Yeah, they're going to continue. It's not going to be weekly. I don't think on road to Atlanta just because, you know, much like this podcast. In fact, it's, this podcast is easier to do in the offseason because at least we can talk about free agency. There yeah. isn't too much to talk about on the minor league podcast. They'll find some stuff because they uh, live, breathe, drink minor league baseball and, uh, to, and prospects. But I can't imagine it's going to be weekly, but hopefully uh, Road to Atlanta will still be around on a, on a fairly regular basis, and uh, I second that. I th- they've done a great job this year. Um, our content will continue on the site, of course, as well, but please subscribe to this feed. If you haven't already, that's a good place to start. It's just hitting the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you like. And uh, w- along with this podcast, which you hopefully enjoy, Road to Atlanta comes on the same feed, and uh, I definitely recommend it because that's – honestly, I say this all the time, and I, ac- I absolutely mean it – my, basically, the entirety of my prospect, uh, my prospect catch-up stuff happens b- between listening to that podcast and reading our minor league recaps. So, I always make fun of myself and saying I'm not the prospect guy. There are things I don't know for sure, um, but I I learn most of what I know about our prospects and the system from those guys, and yeah. uh, I I take them as pretty much as gospel. You know, everybody everybody's wrong sometimes, and you you want to take the whole picture as well. But our our guys do the most work on the Braves prospects of anyone. They watch the Braves prospects constantly. Um, I know national guys do a great job. Fangraphs, Keith Law, all those guys do a good job, but they're not only watching the Braves prospects. Our guys are just dialed in on those guys. So there you go. 
I know I'm tooting our own horn to some degree, but Eric's not here, so he, he, won't, he won't get cheap because he's not here. So I can do that in, in full-throated fashion. Um, they, do a, they do a fantastic job. It was a pleasure to read those guys again all year long and listen to them on Road to Atlanta. So, shouts to them. Yeah, good work, fellas. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, well, Scott, thank you for joining me. We did 45 minutes in September on a, you know, it's, it's baseball. Overall, just an awesome week of content for the Braves, just performance and everything that was going on. You know, sort of fell a little bit flat today, but it's important to kind of ignore that and just talk about the rest of the week. And it was it was an awesome display of baseball. Kind of putting the foot on the throat of your opponent is is fun to watch if you're a Braves fan. And hopefully they'll slam the door in even more significant fashion this week. Um, and as you said, a four and three pretty much ends it. So go ahead and do that. That'd be fun. Let's just yeah. I hope, I hope a week from now we're talking about like to, to a point where I'm actually just like slamming the door. That that'd be fun. I, I look forward to being the last guy who's willing to wave the flag and just say all right it's over and i I will be i will be the last guy scott i will not (laughs) until then i don't blame you i i seriously that atlanta thing is is pretty unreal so i I don't blame (laughs) you one bit um but yeah shouts to your colts and my falcons for both losing today by the way yeah you know i I was hoping to get through it without talking about football but we got to the end right yeah what could you do hey colts looked all right post andrew luck i guess um falcons i don't know man a tough opponent and uh, I have Julio Jones on fantasy team, so hopefully Julio does good. Oh, the Falcons. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> I brought it up, but I, I, I regret my decision. Um, all yeah. right. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk much, much, much more. And then now that the Braves are basically in the playoffs, um, we can talk about this at least plug it a little bit. As we did last year, our plan is to record a podcast every, after every playoff game. Um, last year, it was only a handful of games, but uh, hopefully that will be a little bit longer this time around. It'll be me and someone else. And maybe if I can't do it, maybe it'll just be Scott and Eric or whatever, but we are planning to have a a new podcast after every game. We're not going to be a daily podcast moving forward, but in the playoffs we'll be almost daily. So uh, buckle up for that and subscribe. Tell your friends. Yeah. Let's hope it's more than four games. That was the one after the win last year was super fun. Like we talked like an hour, hour and a half. The others, uh, well, I didn't, I don't think I did. I think I did like games one and two, um, and it was just kind of depressing. And then game four, you're just like kind of bummed that the year's over. Yeah, um, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll see you yeah. guys in January. No, Yeah, uh, hopefully we get to do, you know, 10, 15 of them this time around instead of instead of the quick four. Ooh, 15. That would be a uh, World Series oh, that, Scott. That would be, hey, you know what? I actually, I predicted that earlier today. I probably jinxed the Braves and they're going to Wait, uh, like in public? Now. Yeah, like... I don't know. The Dodgers save those checks for the podcast, Scott. Save those checks for the podcast. What's going on? I know. Come I on. think the Dodgers have some issues. Their bullpen has problems, and and like Ryu's in trouble. And and but anyway, maybe I should have led with that. But I think it's at least. I think there's a good chance. I mean, I think this is truly the first team. Like you heard here first, September eighth. <laughs> like Scott Coleman year. predicts World Series victory. Yeah, like last. In fact, year, that's gonna be a headline playoffs. of this podcast now. Oh, cool. Scott Thanks. predicts World Series victory. Like, no, I, pre- I predicted they would make the World Series oh, and then sorry. probably get steamrolled by the Astros, who were going to be... Well, who, yeah, the Astros are another thing uh, together. But. but I think, like, you know, but, like, last year, the playoffs are just kind of like a cherry on top. Like, we were happy, and they were way ahead of schedule. And then in 2013 or whatever, they were outmatched. And 2010 was a great team, but they had all the injuries in August and September and fell apart. Like, this is the first team, barring a couple of major injuries over the next three weeks as I legitimately knock on wood that like there's going to be expectations to win the the first round and 
if not win the second round, depending on the opponent, you know, goes. Yeah, at, at a bare minute, I think at this point in time, we can kind of declare on September 8th. Um, I can speak for the fan base, and we hear from people all the time. Um, if the Braves don't make the NLCS, people are going to be very, very upset. Yep. Yeah. I Barring think if they lose to the Dodgers, most people will be like, you know, disappointed. But if they lose to the Dodgers in the LCS, they'll be like, okay, they're better than us. It's okay. Um, if they don't make the NLCS, people are going to be disappointed. And that's yeah. that's okay. I think that's pretty reasonable at this point. You know, I'm not going to tell you that the Braves are a lot to do that, but reasonable, rational expectations, the Braves are going to be favored in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. So Significantly, I think, too. Like, yeah, I mean, with home field advantage, if they're playing the Cardinals or – that's the most likely. That's the most likely opponent. If they're playing the Cardinals in round one, the Braves are favored in that series. They just are. Yeah. So yeah. it's baseball. Anything can happen, both positively and negatively. But that's not the expectation, and that, that's a whole different ball game to kind of what you were saying. You know, last year kind of was the spoiler all season long. They sneak in the playoffs. They're playing this juggernaut and they lose, and that was it. Was okay. It was it was tough to watch in the moment, but everybody realized pretty quickly that was the right outcome. The Dodgers were just way better, and that wasn't a big deal. Um, this year, you know. Modest expectations, preseason aside, pretty much since you know late May they've been the favorite, and now they've been awesome, even better since then. So, I think you know it can be it can be damning sometimes to have expectations, but hopefully they rise to it, and they they've risen to it so far. They've been living up to it pretty much every day for three four months now. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, Scott, we've rambled on we've rambled on enough. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Sorry for missing the last couple weeks. Such is such is life. But glad to be here, and uh, and it should be a, a fun final three weeks, and then hopefully lots of playoff playoff pots. Yep, yeah, uh, I totally agree. Uh, again, one more time, subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe. Leave five star feedback if you enjoy the show. Tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next week.